If you would, please grab the Heavenly Library and take down the Gospel of Mark and go to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. Before I begin, uh, get into the lesson this morning, let me make a quick announcement just as a reminder. If you did not see the email this morning, uh, today's teen challenge has been postponed. So uh, Laura Lloyd is not feeling well, and so a teen challenge was planned to be at Mark and Laura's house. She's not feeling well, so we're going to postpone it, and we will let you know, all the teens out there, when we reschedule that as soon as possible, but we hope Laura gets to feeling better uh, real soon. So I just want to remind you about that. If you would please stand with me as we read from the Word of God. Mark chapter 2, I'll begin reading in verse 1. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even the door. And he was preaching the word to them. So they came, bringing him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, and he says to them, Why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven, or rise and walk. And so Jesus turns to the paralytic and he said to them, your sins are forgiven. And he said, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose out and immediately picked up his bed and he went out before them all so that they were all amazed and they glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Please be seated if you would. More than likely, you've heard this story, especially if you've gone to Bible class for any length of time in your younger years. Uh, the story is quite fascinating, isn't it? First of all, <laughs> who cuts a hole in a roof, man? You'll notice that it says, and this is kind of interesting, if you go back to verse 1, here's the way Mark said it, he was at home. Well, we know that this wasn't exactly Jesus' home. Jesus will actually tell us in Scripture, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. But what more than likely this is referring to is it's referring to a place that he probably went to often in Capernaum, uh, more than likely what became a headquarters for him, and what more than likely may have actually been the home of Peter. All right? This was possibly... Peter's home. And so I want you to imagine Peter and Mrs. Peter and all the little children from Mr. and Mrs. Peter gathered around and all the people in there and then all of a sudden they see somebody cutting a hole through their roof. Now, something to kind of think about, all right? 
I don't know about you, but I'm imagining my roof right now. That would take a lot of work, cut through the, you know, the roofing, the tiles. These roofs were a little bit different, okay? More than likely, we might be talking about a courtyard here or some area that has maybe just more what we would put in mind with uh, uh, slabs or the idea of tiles up there that maybe could be removed. But nonetheless, no matter how you get into it or what you may conceive in your mind, these guys have gone to great lengths to get their friend to Jesus and they made a hole in the roof. And it certainly uh, caught the attention of everybody who had gathered to hear Jesus preach. Now here's what else is interesting. This is one of those rare moments in Jesus' ministry where he really came to do what he wanted to do, and that was preach. His miracles were never intended to be the mission, all right? Now, if any of us had that kind of power, we would make that the mission. We would just go around everywhere healing people all the time. Everybody would be so excited. Man, we would just be this massive, massive, massive healing machine. Well, Jesus didn't actually heal everybody because that wasn't actually his main purpose. He wanted to preach. And this is one of those days where he was just preaching. But his popularity was so strong. And you can look in the previous chapter of Mark. He had already been healing so many people. These friends said, we got to get our friend to Jesus. But here's where it gets interesting. We know this story by these friends making a hole in the roof, but if I can use a pun here, it was Jesus who blew the roof off the place with what he said to the guy. Your sins are forgiven. Now I want you to put yourself in the shoe of this guy. Did he just call me a sinner in front of everybody? Well, here's what you kind of got to think about in that day and age. More than likely, everybody considered him a sinner because he had this ailment. That was a common theology in that day. If you go to John chapter 9, when the blind man was at the temple and Jesus is walking by with his disciples, his disciples turn to Jesus and say, hey, that blind guy over there, who sinned, him or his parents? Clearly he's a sinner or he wouldn't have this great ailment in his life. Clearly he's done something wrong. This guy must have really messed up. He's blind. So it is very possible that everybody is possibly thinking, maybe even the lame man, this guy has this great malady of life because of his is sin. Make sense? And so Jesus maybe just kind of cut to the chase and said, your sins are forgiven. All right? Just something to think about. But here's what I want us to do with this story today. All right? You probably have heard this many times. But this is one of those sermon stories that has thousands of sermons within the sermon. And to me, looking at it fresh, it speaks to needs. There's a lot of needs in this story. And it is a sermon about needs. Now, here's what's interesting. It's about a need that maybe we often don't consider that we need. Uh, when I was in college, anybody here, you know, when you were in college, do some really dumb things that you wish you hadn't done? Anybody have those moments? All right. 
And generally, a lot of those things happen when you're with your friends kind of late at night. Now, now I went to Florida college, so it's not like a traditional doing a bad thing late at night that you think of college students. This was one of those things. <laughs> this was one of those things where everybody was kind of in a kumbaya spiritual moment, all right? And everybody's gathered around. I don't know what was going on, but somebody came up with this crazy idea. Hey, since we're all here and we're all friends, why don't we go around the room and let everybody around the room tell us what we need to work on personally? When that came out, I went, this is going to be a bad idea. But boy, everybody was kind of into it. I don't know what we'd been reading Proverbs, the Council of Friends, or whatever had been going on, or we had heard somebody give a lesson, maybe that I don't know what it was, but everybody was kind of emboldened and excited. Yes, tell me what I need to work on. Yes, if my friends pump me up and tell me, oh, it's going to be great. And so it started. First guy up, everybody started unloading on him. Oh, well, you need to work on this. We're going to say this with love, but you need to work on this. And you could just see he was getting mad. And I'm thinking to myself, this is a bad idea. This is a bad idea. And it started going around the room to the next person. The next, I was so glad to be last in line for the first time in my life. And literally, by the time we got it all the way around, everybody was so mad at one another that by the time they got to me, it was like they mentioned one thing. I'm like, yeah, that's probably about right. All right, we done? Let's say a prayer. Let's go to bed. <laughs> this is a bad idea. Because really, really, let's be honest. We would rather somebody didn't point out our needs because generally what we think we need is about what we want, not, no, not necessarily about what we truly need. Makes sense. This story is about needs. You see, Jesus would have got off real easy with everybody in the crowd if he'd just said, rise and walk, go home, and everybody's excited. This guy's walking. We're all excited. We had a good day with Jesus. This is great. But Jesus got to needs. So I want to give you four needs in the story, all right? There's four needs in this story. Number one, the first need we all have is a need of others. We need others. This lame man had some good friends. Is that fair? I mean, he had friends who were so committed to him, not only did they carry him, they carried him up on a roof, and not only did they carry him up on a roof, they did all they could to lower Jesus, lower their friend right down in front of Jesus. You ever considered all the people that you truly need in your life? You ever thought about it? The people who give you affection, the people who give you support, the people who give you love, the people who care for you, inspire you, the people who give you what you need. We are surrounded, if we really think about it, by a lot of people who share with us exactly what we need. It's one of those great gifts we take for granted, let's be honest. But we need others. Here's a part B to this. Not only do we need good friends, we need to be a friend. This, to me, is truly the powerful need of others in the story. 
You see, just as much as the lame man needed those friends to take care of him, those friends needed a lame man to take care of us. We were made in the image of God. That's what Brett just pointed out to us. And what that appeals to is that we have a need, if we are like our Father, we have a need within us to care for others. Uh, listen to some scripture here. Leviticus chapter 25, verse 35. We don't go to Leviticus often, but here's a powerful point. If your brother becomes poor and cannot maintain himself with you, you shall support him as though he were a stranger and he shall live with you. Now, here's what's kind of interesting about that. Did you catch what he said? If your brother is in need, take care of him. You go, I got that. You take care of him like you're commanded in Scripture to take care of a stranger. Did you know that Scripture commanded people to take care of strangers? Did you know that? In fact, if you, if you had a field and you had your produce, you weren't allowed to reap the produce from the edges along the roadway because the edge of your field was to be for the passerby and the stranger who walked by. That was part of the deal. Proverbs 19, 17. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. You know why we need to be a servant to others? Because that's how we serve our God. Matthew 25, Jesus makes it one of the requirements for salvation when you get to judgment. The Lord's going to separate the goats and the sheep. And the whole principle of that is who was serving Jesus? Well, Lord, when did we see or serve you? When you served the least of these, you served me. You get the point? So not only do I need to be served, I need to be serving. And if we're not serving others, if that's not who and what we're all about, we're probably living a very selfish and very sad life. So first thing I want you to see, a need for others. A need for others. Secondly, this one's going to be kind of obvious. A need for Jesus. I have a need for you. When you do need somebody, all right, when you generally need somebody, it's not so much, if they were honest, it's not so much that we need them, we need what they can do for us. Can we be honest about that? Uh, my, my car's broken down. I have some problems with my car. You know what I need? I need Rick Warren. Why? Because Rick Warren can fix my car. You know who you don't need? Me. Oh, man, my car's broken. Let me call Phil. That's great. You and I both can stand there and look at it. Yep, you have a need. Want me to pray over this? You can't fix it. Then can you loan me a car? Can you just give me yours? Let's just cut to the chase. I want you to notice a gross misidentification in this story. If you would, go back and notice what the scribes and the Pharisees said when Jesus did this. All right? Notice how they refer to Jesus. How does a fellow... Speak like this. You have the NIV version. That's what it says there. 
What is this, verse 7, fellow, speak like this. I have the English standard. How does this man, why does this man speak? Anybody, anybody catch that? Why does this man, whoa, man. You think just a man can heal people like this? You think just a man can come and do the things that Jesus did? He's not a man. He's a healer. He's filled with awesome power. He's a source of hope. I can only imagine what was going on in Jesus' mind. Did you just call me a man? Granted, I am the son of man, but a man? In a... In Colossians 1.16, here's what Paul reminds all of us. In him, that being Jesus, in him all things exist. All things were created by him and for him. Jesus, did you, man, you call me a man? If it wasn't for me, you wouldn't even be here. In him all Things exist. In him, all things were created. And so it's at this moment, it's at this moment that Jesus really stirs the pot and he asks this incredible question. All right, somebody here tell me if you want to refer to me as a man. Somebody here tell me which is easier to do, which is easier to say, rise and walk or your sins are forgiven. I'll wait and let you answer. Can you imagine the hush over the crowd at that moment? First of all, he was reading their thoughts. That really had to get their attention. But everybody was probably thinking it. Which is easier? Which is easier? Can I ask you a question? Why do you need Jesus? Why do you need to come to church? It's because you need to feel good? Well, I hope you feel good. Is it because you need to be stirred by great singing so that you can make it through the rest of this long week? Well, I hope that you're stirred. You, you need somebody to come and have fun with. You need friends. Well, I hope you have friends and I hope you enjoy it. But is that why you're here? For the Lord just to supply some sort of physical need to you? Those of you that are involved in ministry and are evangelistic-minded and seeking souls, you probably know what it's like to constantly have somebody come to you, but they only come to you and get religious when they want something. You ever had that happen? They have a physical need, then the phone rings. They, they have a hardship, then they reach out to you. Well, you want to be a servant the best you can, but even Jesus sometimes realizes you're not getting it. You're not getting it. If you're just here so that you can walk, I'm trying to tell you I'm going to help you run. And that comes through forgiveness. Which is easier to say? I want you to think about something. 
Can I invite you to think about something? All the believers here especially. You know why you should never, ever, ever doubt the forgiveness of God? You know why you should never, ever, ever, ever doubt His mercy and grace for you? Because just like Jesus did here, He shows you His power all the time. Now, Jesus heals this guy. Should anybody doubt His forgiveness? He just healed the guy. The point is, He used something very physical that will get your attention to speak to you of the spiritual. Let me use one example for all of us real quick. I'm going to go back to my NASA reporter days, my nerd days, okay? The sun. Anybody know how hot the sun is? Anybody happen to know on the top of your head? 27 million degrees. That's a little bit hot. 27 million degrees. Every day, 27 million degrees. That's on the surface. That sun is 93 million miles away from us. Wow. And that radiation will travel that 93 million miles from the sun to the earth in eight minutes. That's moving. And by the time that 97 million travels 93, I'm sorry, 27 million travels 93 million miles to get here. It's about 250 degrees. And so the Earth's atmosphere tempers that so that by the time you're going to walk out of here in just a moment, it may feel like you're on the sun, but it's only 85 degrees and 95% humidity. Isn't that amazing? Just a little bit of apologetics for you and evidences. But the Lord shows you His power all the time. So which is easier? Which is easier? Give you the sun every day or to forgive your sins? I could go on and on. Third thing that you need. You need Jesus. But here's what you really need from Jesus. Number three, you need mercy, grace, and and forgiveness. That's what we really need. When, when, when this guy was brought there by his friends, and he and all his friends said, you know what his greatest need is? He needs to walk, man. That's what he really needs. He needs to have his legs fixed. And Jesus says, legs? Walk? I'm not going to give him legs to walk for life. I'm going to give him legs to walk for eternity. This is kind of your hierarchy of needs. You ever heard of the hierarchy of needs? Maslow's hierarchy of needs, where he needs, first of all, we need, we need to have the basic necessities of life. We need protection. We need fire. We need food. And then we need companionship. We need things. You can go all the way up to the list. Well, think about what are your needs. If I was asking you right now, what do you really need? I asked a seven-year-old one year. Uh, this is so funny. I just caught a little kid walking down the hall, and I could tell, you know, it was like many of us. She, she was was very distracted. I said, hey, how's it going? Oh. I said, what's wrong? Oh. That's all she gave me. She gave me, oh. And I said, well, what do you need? She goes, I just need a vacation. <laughs> she goes, I, I could just use some money. <laughs> you know, the bills are tied. I'm barely getting by. I could use some money. Somebody else may say, well, I tell you what, I could just use a job so I can make money. Oh, okay. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be a 
And somebody said, a job? Huh. Man, I just need a roof over my head. Oh, okay. Well, that would definitely be a job. A roof? Huh. Think that ever crossed this guy's mind here or anybody else's mind that the forgiveness would come through him? Jesus? You know how you're going to get your forgiveness? Because I'm going to die for you. You know how you're going to get your forgiveness? Because I'm going to give my life for you. You know how you're going to get your forgiveness? Because I'm going to be crucified for you. So let me ask you now, who's carrying who? Who's cutting the hole in the roof now? And yet Jesus gives it so freely. He offers His grace and mercy with such liberality. Mercy and grace. Psalms 103, verse 12. How great is His mercy and His grace and His forgiveness. Here's what Psalms 103, 12 says. It's as far as the east is from the west. That's how great it is. It's quite an expression. As far as the east is from the west. Jeremiah 31, 34. I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. That's how great it is. And then as Isaiah 43, 25 reminds all of us, and I believe this is what the scribes were alluding to. Who's the only one who can forgive sins? Well, God, they were exactly right about that. Only God can forgive sins. And He did. He did. He did. Our Father forgives sins. And then the fourth thing, the fourth need. This one may not be as obvious as the other three. But I want you to notice at the very end of the story, in verse 12, what did everybody do there? And this is exactly what they needed to do. They glorified God. A need to glorify God. Now, there's a need to glorify God here, not because God needs the glory, all right? It's not as if we got to pump our Lord up, we got to invigorate Him, we got to encourage Him because He might get discouraged, or we got to lift Him up so His glory... No, 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 no. In fact, Paul will say in his sermon on Mars Hill in Acts chapter 17 that God made the world and everything in it, and He doesn't dwell in temples made by hands, nor is He even worshipped with men's hands as though He needs anything. We, we don't come to worship God because He needs it. It's not because it's for God, per se. We need to glorify God because that's what we need to do. The glorification here, and here's what glorifying means. It, is, it suggests the idea to worship. It is the idea to praise or to give reverence, to be in awe or to honor. Do, do you ever realize, do you ever realize just how important moments like these are in our lives that we have a need for this? Just like you have a need to breathe, just like you have a need for a heartbeat, just because you have a need for friends, that your needs, your needs also include a need to glorify God. Why is that? 
Why is that one of our needs? And why do you see that over and over again when somebody encounters Jesus? Because when we get on our knees and we glorify God, we humble ourselves. And we recognize in that moment just how feeble and weak we are. And we're reminded of how much we need our Father. Isaiah 42, 5. I am the Lord God. I created the heavens and I've opened them like a tent that it was above. And I made the earth and everything that grows in it. I am the source of life for all who live on this earth. So, knowing this, listen to what I say. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Therefore, whether you eat or drink, whatever your conviction is about eating or drink, whatever you do, you do it all to what? The glory of God. The glory of God is always, always, always a part of your day in life. And then if I can go back to Psalms 103 for a moment. Psalms 103, 17 to 18. From everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear Him. In His righteousness with children's children, with those who keep His covenant and those who obey His precepts. You know what you do when you give glory to God? You honor Him and you willfully obey Him. Because you know it's what you need. We need to give glory to whom glory is due. And if we're really honest with ourselves, when we fall into the trap of glorifying ourselves or glorifying others, that generally doesn't lead to a good place at all, does it? You give glory to the one whom glory is due. That keeps life in perspective. This had to be quite the day, don't you imagine? First of all, Peter afterwards going, anybody here a roofer? Just out of curiosity. Part of me thinks they probably left that hole up there for a while just as a reminder of who Jesus was. But if anybody left there that day thinking they just saw a lame man walk, they missed it, didn't they? They saw a lame man forgiven. And if this man left there that day only excited because he could walk, then he missed it, didn't he? Because he had been forgiven. Can I let you imagine for a moment you're sitting in front of Jesus? not in the dorm room that I sit in with all those guys, you're there with Jesus. And you get to say to the Lord, all right, be honest with me. What do I really need? Hit me. I I know I've got a lot of things in my mind that I'd put on my wish list. Tell me, what do I need? I think he'd say, Don't be like the Gentiles. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, probably everything worldly. 
Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. You need grace. You need mercy. You need love. You need what only I can give to you. That's your need. Forgiveness of sins. And I offer it. I offer it. I offer to you myself. I offer to you my blood. I offer to you forgiveness. If that's you this morning, the Lord's offering it to you right now. And you can be a recipient of His grace and of His love. You can have your sins washed away this morning and be forgiven. And you can know the feeling of rising up and walking on fresh legs. Salvation's legs. Because our goal isn't to walk this earth. Our goal is to walk in heaven. And Jesus says, I can supply that need. So whatever you need this morning, won't you come while we stand and while we sing?